Chapter Eleven of the Count of Monte Cristo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Chapter Eleven, The Corsican Ogre. At the sight of this agitation, Louis the Eighteenth pushed from him violently the table at which he was sitting what ails you baron he exclaimed you appear quite aghast has your uneasiness anything to do with what m de blacas has told me and what m de villefort has just confirmed m de blacas moved suddenly towards the baron but the fright of the courtier pleaded for the forbearance of the statesman and besides as matters were it was much more to his advantage that the prefect of police should triumph over him than that he should humiliate the prefect sire stammered the baron well what is it asked louis the eighteenth the minister of police giving way to an impulse of despair was about to throw himself at the feet of louis the eighteenth who retreated a step and frowned will you speak he said oh sire what a dreadful misfortune i am indeed to be pitied i can never forgive myself Monsieur said louis the eighteenth i command you to speak well sire the usurper left elba on the twenty sixth february and landed on the first of march and where in italy asked the king eagerly in france sire at a small port near antibes in the gulf of juan the usurper landed in france near antibes in the gulf of juan two hundred and fifty leagues from paris on the first of march and you only acquired this information to-day the fourth of march well sir what you tell me is impossible you must have received a false report or you have gone mad alas sire it is but too true louis made a gesture of indescribable anger and alarm and then drew himself up as if this sudden blow had struck him at the same moment in heart and countenance in france he cried the usurper in france then they did not watch over this man who knows they were perhaps in league with him oh sire exclaimed the duc de placas monsieur d'andre is not a man to be accused of treason sire we have all been blind and the minister of police has shared the general blindness that is all but said villefort and then suddenly checking himself he was silent then he continued your pardon sire he said bowing my zeal carried me away will your majesty deign to excuse me speak sir speak boldly replied louis you alone forewarned us of the evil now try and aid us with the remedy sire said villefort the usurper is detested in the south and it seems to me that if he ventured into the south it would be easy to raise languedoc and provence against him yes assuredly replied the minister but he is advancing by gap and cisterone advancing he is advancing said louis the eighteenth is he then advancing on paris the minister of police maintained a silence which was equivalent to a complete avowal and dauphine sir inquired the king of villefort do you think it possible to rouse that as well as provence sire i am sorry to tell your majesty a cruel fact but the feeling in dauphine is quite the reverse of that in provence or languedoc 
the mountaineers are bonapartists sire then murmured louis he was well informed and how many men had he with him i do not know sire answered the minister of police what you do not know have you neglected to obtain information on that point of course it is of no consequence he said with a withering smile sire it was impossible to learn the dispatch simply stated the fact of the landing and the route taken by the usurper and how did this dispatch reach you the minister bowed his head and while a deep color overspread his cheeks he stammered out by the telegraph sire louis the eighteenth advanced a step and folded his arms over his chest as napoleon would have done so then he exclaimed turning pale with anger seven conjoined and allied armies overthrew that man a miracle of heaven replaced me on the throne of my fathers after five and twenty years of exile i have during those five and twenty years spared no pains to understand the people of france and the interests which were confided to me and now when i see the fruition of my wishes almost within my reach the power i hold in my hands bursts and shatters me to atoms sire it is fatality murmured the minister feeling that the pressure of circumstances however light a thing to destiny was too much for any human strength to endure what our enemies say of us is then true we have learnt nothing forgotten nothing if i were betrayed as he was i would console myself but to be in the midst of persons elevated by myself to places of honour who ought to watch over me more carefully than over themselves for my fortune is theirs before me they were nothing after me they will be nothing and perish miserably from incapacity ineptitude oh yes sir you are right it is fatality the minister quailed before this outburst of sarcasm m de blacas wiped the moisture from his brow villefort smiled within himself for he felt his increased importance to fall continued king louis who at the first glance had sounded the abyss on which the monarchy hung suspended to fall and to learn of that fall by telegraph oh i would rather mount the scaffold of my brother louis the sixteenth than thus descend the staircase at the tuileries driven away by ridicule ridicule sir why you know not its power in france and yet you ought to know it sire sire murmured the minister for pity's approach monsieur de villefort resumed the king addressing the young man who motionless and breathless was listening to a conversation on which depended the destiny of a kingdom approach and tell monsieur that it is possible to know beforehand all that he has not known sire it really was impossible to learn secrets which that man concealed from all the world really impossible yes that is a great word sir unfortunately there are great words as there are great men i have measured them really impossible for a minister who has an office agents spies and fifteen hundred thousand francs for secret service money to know what is going on at sixty leagues from the coast of france well then see here is a gentleman who had none of those resources at his disposal a gentleman only a simple magistrate who learned more than you with all your police and who would have saved my crown if like you he had the power of directing a telegraph 
the look of the minister of police was turned with concentrated spite on villefort who bent his head in modest triumph i do not mean that for you blacas continued louis the eighteenth for if you have discovered nothing at least you have had the good sense to persevere in your suspicions any other than yourself would have considered the disclosure of m de villefort insignificant or else dictated by venal ambition these words were an allusion to the sentiments which the minister of police had uttered with so much confidence an hour before villefort understood the king's intent any other person would perhaps have been overcome by such an intoxicating draught of praise but he feared to make for himself a mortal enemy of the police minister although he saw that dandre was irrevocably lost in fact the minister who in the plenitude of his power had been unable to unearth napoleon's secret might in despair at his own downfall interrogate dantes and so lay bare the motives of villefort's plot realizing this villefort came to the rescue of the crestfallen minister instead of aiding to crush him sire said villefort the suddenness of this event must prove to your majesty that the issue is in the hands of providence what your majesty is pleased to attribute to me as profound perspicacity is simply owing to chance and i have profited by that chance like a good and devoted servant that's all do not attribute to me more than i deserve sire that your majesty may never have occasion to recall the first opinion you have been pleased to form of me the minister of police thanked the young man by an eloquent look and villefort understood that he had succeeded in his design that is to say that without forfeiting the gratitude of the king he had made a friend of one on whom in case of necessity he might rely tis well resumed the king and now gentlemen he continued toward m de blocas and the minister of police i have no further occasion for you and you may retire what now remains to do is in the department of the minister of war fortunately sire said m de blocas we can rely on the army your majesty knows how every report confirms their loyalty and attachment do not mention reports duke to me for i know now what confidence to place in them yet speaking of reports baron what have you learned with regard to the affair in the rue st jacques the affair in the rue st jacques exclaimed villefort unable to repress an exclamation then suddenly pausing he added your pardon sire but my devotion to your majesty has made me forget not the respect i have for that is too deeply engraved in my heart but the rules of etiquette go on go on sir replied the king you have to-day earned the right to make inquiries here sire interposed the minister of police i came a moment ago to give your majesty fresh information which i had obtained on this head when your majesty's attention was attracted by the terrible event that has occurred in the gulf and now these facts will cease to interest your majesty on the contrary sir on the contrary said louis the eighteenth this affair seems to me to have a decided connection with that which occupies our attention and the death of general Caynell will perhaps put us on the direct track of a great internal conspiracy at the name of general Caynell, villefort trembled everything points to the conclusion sire said the minister of police that death was not the result of suicide as we first believed but of assassination general Caynell, it appears had just left a bonapartist glove when he disappeared 
an unknown person had been with him that morning and made an appointment with him in the rue st jacques unfortunately the general's valet who was dressing his hair at the moment when the stranger entered heard the street mentioned but he did not catch the number as the police minister related this to the king villefort who looked as if his very life hung on the speaker's lips turned alternately red and pale the king looked toward him do you not think with me monsieur de villefort that general quesnel whom they believed attached to the usurper but who was really entirely devoted to me has perished the victim of a bonapartist ambush it is probable sire replied villefort but is this all that is known they are on the track of the man who appointed the meeting with him on his track said villefort yes the servant has given his description he was a man of from fifty to fifty-two years of age dark with black eyes covered with shaggy eyebrows and a thick moustache he was dressed in a blue frock coat buttoned up to the chin and wore at his buttonhole the rosette of an officer of the legion of honor yesterday a person exactly corresponding with this description was followed but he was lost sight of at the corner of the rue de la jussienne and the rue coqueron villefort leaned on the back of an armchair for as the minister of police went on speaking he felt his legs bend under him but when he learned that the unknown had escaped the vigilance of the agent who followed him he breathed again continue to seek for this man sir said the king to the minister of police for if as i am all but convinced general quesnel who would have been so useful to us at this moment has been murdered his assassins bonapartists or not shall be cruelly punished it required all villefort's coolness not to betray the terror with which this declaration of the king inspired him how strange continued the king with some asperity the police think that they have disposed of the whole matter when they say a murder has been committed and especially so when they can add and we are on the track of the guilty persons sire your majesty will i trust be amply satisfied on this point at least we shall see i will no longer detain you monsieur de villefort for you must be fatigued after so long a journey go and rest of course you stopped at your father's a feeling of faintness came over villefort no sire i alighted at the hotel de madrid in the rue de tournon but you have seen him sire i went straight to the duc de blacas but will you see him then i think not sire ah i forgot said louis smiling in a manner which proved that all these questions were not made without a motive i forgot that you and monsieur noirtier are not on the best terms possible and that is another sacrifice made to the royal cause and for which you should be recompensed sire the kindness your majesty deigns to evince towards me is a recompense which so far surpasses my utmost ambition that i have nothing more to ask for never mind sir we will not forget you make your mind easy in the meanwhile the king here detached the cross of the legion of honor which he usually wore over his blue coat near the cross of st louis above the order of notre dame du mont carmel and st lazare and gave it to villefort in the meanwhile take this cross sire said villefort your majesty mistakes this is an officer's cross ma foi said louis the eighteenth 
take it such as it is for i have not the time to procure you another blacas let it be your care to see that the brevet is made out and sent to m de villefort villefort's eyes were filled with tears of joy and pride he took the cross and kissed it and now he said may i inquire what are the orders with which your majesty deigns to honour me take what rest you require and remember that if you were not able to serve me here in paris you may be of the greatest service to me at marseilles sire replied villefort bowing in an hour i shall have quitted paris go sir said the king and should i forget you king's memories are short do not be afraid to bring yourself to my recollection baron send for the minister of war lacas remain ah sir said the minister of police to villefort as they left the tuileries you entered by luck's door your fortune is made will it be long first muttered villefort saluting the minister whose career was ended and looking about him for a hackney coach one passed at the moment which he hailed he gave his address to the driver and springing in threw himself on the seat and gave loose to dreams of ambition ten minutes afterwards villefort reached his hotel ordered horses to be ready in two hours and asked to have his breakfast brought to him he was about to begin his repast when the sound of the bell rang sharp and loud the valet opened the door and villefort heard someone speak his name who could know that i was here already said the young man the valet entered well said villefort what is it who rang who asked for me a stranger who will not send in his name a stranger who will not send in his name what can he want with me he wishes to speak to you to me yes did he mention my name yes what sort of person is he why sir a man of about fifty short or tall about your own height sir dark or fair dark very dark with black eyes black hair black eyebrows and how dressed asked villefort quickly in a blue frock coat buttoned up close decorated with the legion of honor it is he said villefort turning pale eh hey, pardieu said the individual whose description we have twice given entering the door what a great deal of ceremony is it the custom in marseilles for sons to keep their fathers waiting in their anterooms father cried villefort then i was not deceived i felt sure it must be you well then if you felt so sure replied the newcomer putting his cane in a corner and his hat on a chair allow me to say my dear gerard that it was not very filial of you to keep me waiting at the door leave us germain said villefort the servant quitted the apartment with evident signs of astonishment End of chapter eleven